Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Fire Church Karam Downs. How are you all doing? Fantastic. Um, Pastor Alex and a lot of the interns are away in the campuses supporting them, so that's why they're not here. But we have Pastor Jess up the front there. Good for her to be able to come up the front and. Oh, oh. oh, okay. Yes. Hallelujah. Before, before we go on, I actually want us to, to pray for... Um, on Thursday, I was, Pastor Dan invited all the pastors to hang out with him in Terralgan because they're going to do a rally in start of January. I think... Uh, from about the 22nd to about the 29th of January, there's going to be a uh, crusade. Uh, Pastor Dan and Pastor Tim Hall will be joining forces, and they're going to do um, five or six nights of rallies. And so they gathered all the pastors together, and I learned about there's this pastor from the area. His name is Brian Heath. Um, right now, he's going to get uh, about 60 minutes and possibly the age to basically trying to crucify him. So they don't like what he's doing. They don't like what he's standing for. So they so instead of, so he figured out that instead of waiting for them to stand a spy, he actually invited them. So he's like, look, might as well just get this over and done with. And, and so they're here, they're, they're there right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to op- open up by getting all of us to say a prayer for Pastor Brian and the City Builders Church. Yeah? Are you with me? All right, let's just pray in, the, in your heavenly language if you can. If not, just like, thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, right now, we lift up Pastor Brian Heath. I can feel the presence right now. Lord, we stand with our brothers and sisters, guys, from City Builders Church. When one suffers, all suffers, God. We are united in Christ Jesus. It's not here. It's not us and them. Lord, we lift up right now, God. Lord, I just pray right now that you fill that place with your presence, God. Convict every reporter right now. Convict everyone that is in there, Lord. Lord, let them see heaven. Let them see hell, God. Let them feel your spirit. Let them hear the good news, God. I pray you bring a conviction upon their heart, Lord. And instead of bearing witness of false things, God, they will see the glory of God. Lord, we just commit this whole situation to you, God. And what the enemy meant for harm, you will turn it for good. You shout the mouth of lion, God. You can shout the mouth of the newspapers. So Lord, as they meant this for harm, you will turn this to good. In mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. We... Praise God. Praise God. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Well... My name is Lee, and officially I am looking after the new believers and outreach, and it's my lovely wife there, yes, with my mum and a friend, big shout out for them. Behind every mighty man is a woman shaking her head. All right, um, today... I have a word, and the, what God has been doing the last couple of weeks, actually, he's been making me very uncomfortable. Uh, last Sunday night, like, you know, 
Normally I have this thing with God. I said, like in a Sunday night, I'm just going to go for power, demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And so when Pastor Ali asked me to preach, I was going to go, all right, I'm going to preach on healing and then move in power. Then God says, no, I want you to teach on how to receive prophecies. I'm like, okay. Then I want you to give prophecies. I'm like, oh, no. Because, you know, it's not a message. It's like, don't believe every word's given to you. Test every word, and then I'm going to give out a word. So I'm like, so last week I was very nervous. And then this week it did the same thing as well, um, just making me do something that is uh, uncomfortable. I was going to change the sermon twice. But every time I was going to change it, God spoke and says, keep going. So stress forth your hand and, and pray for me. Father, I, I commit myself and I commit this time to you, God. I pray that you lead my mind, my soul, my lips, and let everything that I say today, God, just be, be led by you. And God, I pray that the people will receive this, that you will do a mighty work within the hearts of people and bring genuine and lasting healing. Lord, we just commit today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So a human being, right, is, is a three-part being. We're a spirit, soul, and body. A human being that doesn't have a body, like just a soul and spirit, is actually incomplete. In 1 Corinthians, it says, Paul says, I do not desire to be unclothed, but clothed in glory. There's actually a heavenly body. Are you with me? And so you cannot separate the human soul from, from any other part. So, like, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a physiologist, but as a, as a preacher of the gospel, sometimes we delve into the physical realm. We talk about healing, right? And so it is not wrong for us to talk about the human soul because, you know, we have a soul. And the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 2, I'm going to bring it later on. It says, do not be conformed, but be ye transformed by the renewing of the mind. Are you with me? So we need to renew the mind. We need to change the mind. So today's sermon um, will delve a little bit, not a little bit, it's actually a lot into the realm of the soul and the realm of the spirit. But I believe that as a cute little baby crawling. <laughs> Sorry, I get distracted. <laughs> focus, focus, focus. But as we talk about this, I believe that God says that there's going to be people that's going to receive physical healing as they receive healing in their spirit and in the soul. <laughs> it's all right. It's cute. Find it entertaining. All right. Let's open up. Um, let's, go, let's begin with Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 till Hebrews 4, verse 3. Thank you, Mike. Hey, it's so true, you know. I've been looking at the Smith Wigglesworth prophecies, right? And Smith Wigglesworth says that the last great revival will be a revival of the spirit and the word. And so if we just pursue the spirit, it's actually not 
the revival that Smith Wigglesworth prophesied because he says the last great revival will be a mixture, will be a combination of the Spirit and the Word. And so we honour the Spirit by worshipping a long time, but if we push out the Word, then, then it doesn't help people. There's, people. there's things that are still lacking. All right, Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I saw in my wrath that shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you harden through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ. We hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Verse 16. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not to those who sinned? whose corpses fell in the wilderness, and to whom did, we, did he swear that they will not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey. So we see that they do not, they could not enter in because of unbelief. That's enough. The story, that passage of Scripture there is calling upon the story in the book of Exodus um, about how God led the children of Israel out of Egypt. So God... Um, in the book of Exodus, is fulfilling the promise that he made to Abraham uh, that after 430 years, he was going to take his children out of, out of Egypt and enter into the promised land because the sins of the Amorite were not yet full. Um, it took God roughly about two weeks to free Israel from Egypt. The journey itself, if you look at Google Map, from Egypt to to Jerusalem will take about two weeks. It's about two days by car, about two weeks by, by foot. But it took the children of Israel 40 years before they could enter in because they refused to believe the promises of God and God made them walk around. But amongst that group, there were two people that believed in God. Their names are Joshua and Caleb. When they, remember the, when the story, when the spies came in, 10 spies come back out and they go, there's giants in this land, they're too big, they're too powerful, we can't take them on. But Joshua and Caleb go, yeah, they're big and they're powerful, but, but hey, God just destroyed the superpower of our days. You know, he just drowned the armies of Pharaoh, remember that. And remember, we've got a pillar of cloud, of, of cloud by, by, by day and fire by night leading us they're, they're, like for them to figure out where God was, they just go, look, there's this pillar of fire. Like everyone could see it. They go, I don't believe in God. What's that man? And when they walk into Jericho, Jericho actually, the people of Jericho, it says they were afraid because they can see this pillar of cloud and fire walking around for 40 years. They can see it. And so by the time the spies came, the, city, the people of the city of Jericho were terrified. Are you following me? Yeah. So the point of the story is this. 
It took God two weeks to take Israel out of Egypt. But it took him 40 years to take Egypt out of Israel. The Christian journey is about leaving the world and becoming a citizen of heaven. God can take you out of the world in an instant, but how far can we let go of the world from our heart? People who refuse to let go of Egypt actually is classed into these people that God called rebellious. And they refuse to believe the power of God. They, believe, they refuse to believe the promises of God. And if you watch it, they kept murmuring and complaining. It's like, you know, it's like you have led us here to die. And then after 10 times in the book of Exodus, God finally says, according to your words, be unto you. You say that I have led you here to die, then you will die. But to these children that you say will not enter in, I will cause them to enter and possess the land. So it's really important that we believe in the Word of God. Now, haha, I've got my first slides. Yes. Bring up the first slide, please. Romans 12, verse 1, 2. I'm going to read it to you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I can summarize what I'm going to say all of today, it is this. Do not let the world be your potter. Let the Word of God be your potter. Do not let what happens to you be what shapes you. I know it does. It affects us. You can't escape it. We live in the world, in a fallen world, and you can't help it. And some, it's like when I started pastoring in Geelong, I couldn't believe at the amount of people that have been sexually molested. It was horrifying. It was it seems that a lot of the people that I spoke to back then have been molested and there's not many that haven't been. It's, it's very, and I can't imagine the kind of trauma, the deep trauma that that would cause to somebody. Yeah. But in Christ Jesus, the whole thing about the gospel is that the gospel is not only the forgiveness of sins. In Romans chapter 6, God actually kills you. Both the devil and God is trying to kill you. The devil is trying to murder you, and God's trying to change your identity. He heals us by changing the, the person. It's an identity change. So that's why for, for me, as you know, someone that really messed up my life, that is amazingly good news because I wanted to get rid of my past. It's like, God, is there another chance for me? I don't want to be me anymore. And God's like, good news. Right? When you get baptised, you go down, you're co-crucified, you co-died with Him, you co-buried. Then when you come up, you are co-resurrected as a new creation, a new person. Christianity is not about fixing the old person. 
It's about embracing the new identity, this new creature, the son and the daughter of God. Yeah? But there's a snag. Today I'm going to be um, delving into an area where I feel um, ill-equipped at times. I started doing research and I've preached on this before. But right now, you know, I'm officially the evangelist of this ministry and and the grace changes and I can feel myself um, like venturing out of my grace. That's why I try to run away. But God's like, no, I want you to deliver this. So I'm going to deliver it anyway. Can you bring up the, the drama triangle, please? Yeah. I'm going to introduce you to this concept. Has anyone seen this before? This is the Kaufman Drama Triangle. Um, It is made by Stephen Kaufman, a psychologist from the 1960s. It is a model of dysfunctional social interactions and illustrate a power game that involves three roles, the victim, the rescuer, and the persecutor. Each role represents a common and ineffective response to conflict. The journey around the triangle can be done with self or another, such as a spouse, a child, a co-worker, and so on. Most of us are neurologically neurologically programmed to play these three roles and we consciously or unconsciously choose one role given the particular context. As I start doing research into this, uh, it actually was very helpful to me because I actually discovered myself in there. Whoops, you know. Everyone likes to think they're perfect, right? No? No? I thought, you know what, I'm going well. You know, God has brought a lot of healing into me. I'm pretty good. Then I start researching this. I go, don't. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. But it's good news because it gives me fuel to take to God. Back in Geelong, um, I don't know when, 2018, I actually went to Justina and my wife and I said, hey, I think God is telling me that I might have to deal with PTSD. And then I asked her, it's like, hey, I think I might have PTSD. And her reply was, oh, about time. <laughs> and I'm like, gee, not very supportive, are you? <laughs> so, she, so I asked her, it's like, what made you say it like that quickly? She goes, when I first met you, you were really weird. And I asked God what was wrong with you. And God said, he has PTSD. And I said, why didn't you tell me? Because you would have just yelled at me because the PTSD would have triggered it. It was like, and so, so she goes, then she goes, God, what do I do? And God says, leave him to me. I'll deal with it. So about 2018, I just walked around going, I think I've got PTSD from pastoring. <laughs> from life, but especially from pastoring. Look, not from you guys. I think you guys are pretty good. <laughs> Pastor Alex goes, one day he was goes, do you have any issues, Lee? pastoral issues? I'm like, none. I, go, I don't talk to people, so I don't have any issues. <laughs> Just... So my life is good. Just jokes, guy. I love people. In Jesus' name. Right. So I went to... Um, 
So I went and looked for a Christian counselor in Geelong, found the best Christian counsellor, but they were so good, they had a six-month waiting list. So I'm like, what am I going to do for six months? So I just started going to God, and I would sit with God, and, and I would just pour out my heart, and then he, like, you know, he would pour his heart back, and we would just interact. And then after six months, I finally sat down with this couple, and they went through my life, and then got me to renounce everything, and then they would pray and break everything and try to cast some demons out. But this is what I discovered. The last six months that I spent with God, I have been doing the things that they did to me in that counseling session, except I was doing it in my prayer time. So God has been counseling me. They would grab everything, trying to get me to renounce it and then pour out the truth and then pray for me. I realized that for the last six months, I've been spending two to three hours every day pouring my heart out and dealing with about two or three issues per, per day. And so it was actually a deeper work. That's why by the time I got to, to see them, they try to break some spirits and cast some demons out and nothing came out because I've been spending two to three hours a day for six months, right? And so to get true healing, you need to spend time with God. And I would recommend that book. I kept saying it, Four Keys to Hearing God, because that book teaches, teaches me and teaches all of us how to hear God in terms of a relationship. So it's not, it doesn't teach you how to be a prophet. It teaches you how to be a son and a daughter. You know, when I first started doing that book, it's like it's coming to God and go, hey, God, what do you think about me? And then, you know, it's like, hey, son, my beloved son, I couldn't wait. And it just started going, and it's basically that's what God was doing. It's like, I love you. Then the presence comes and he's encouraging me. He's just saying, oh, thank you so much for stopping. And then he starts telling me, he's like, did you know that I don't, you know, actually you're the only thing that I look at. I don't have anything to look at. And then you realize that's so true. God doesn't have a TV. God looks at us. You know that? God, there's, God is so amazing that he can actually pay attention to all of us individually and at the same time. Like there's a bit of him that stares at you all the time and he doesn't look at anything else. Just waiting for you to stop. And when you stop, you find how humble he is. He goes, thank you for stopping, son. And you're like, what? This is the king of the universe? And that's how humble he is. He's like, thank you so much for stopping. I long for you. I ache for you. And you're like, wow. And it felt like getting kissed by God. And after a while, you know the whole saying, you know, some people say, I should be praying more. If you really discover who God is, pray is not something you should do. You'll miss God. He is the most, you know, have you ever been with people that absolutely adores you? Even, you know, their, their presence, it's just everything about them. They just, they just adore you. They think you're the best thing ever. Well, God is like that. And when you discover that, you don't, it's, prayer is not something you should do. It's you miss God. It's like he's the, the battery charger. You know, like you, you're being flat, you know, the world's, you know, going through work, there's hard stuff, you know, the boss being yelling at you. You just can't wait to get home and get edified and recharge. That is actually the solution and the healing to everything that I'm going to be talking about to that. Because a lot of this, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to release a word. It's called complex trauma, Right? The National Child of Traumatic Stress Network defined complex trauma as children's exposure to multiple traumatic events 
often an invasive, interpersonal nature and the wide-ranging long-term effects of this exposure. These events are severe and pervasive, such as abuse or profound neglect. They usually occur early in life and can disrupt many aspects of a child's development and formation of a sense of, a, of self. Since these events often occur with a caregiver, they interfere with the child's ability to form secure attachments. Many aspects of a child's phys healthy physical and mental development rely on this primary source of safety and stability. Children whose families and homes do not provide consistent safety, comfort and protection may develop ways of coping that allow them to survive and function day to day. For instance, they may be overly sensitive to the moods of others, always watching to figure out what the adults around them are feeling and how they will behave. They may withhold their own emotion from others, never letting them see when they're afraid, sad or angry. These kinds of learned adaptations make sense when physical and or emotional threats are ever present. As a child grows up and encounters situations and relationships that are safe, these adaptations are no longer helpful and may in fact be counterproductive and interfere with the capacity to live, love and be loved. That's pretty heavy, you guys following that? A child doesn't understand, like for example, a child's identity and sense, and sense of worth, they obtain that from a loving, the face of a loving parent. If they see an angry or a blank face when they're really young, they actually cannot figure out, it's like, oh, my, my mom is depressed or my dad is an alcoholic or a drug addict. They think that all of those things happen because there's something wrong with them. And this causes a deep identity, it builds an identity issue that is deep and subconscious. But all these, these things are learned behavior, so the good news is you can unlearn it. Not only that, Jesus has the power to change us. As I said, he doesn't band-aid something that is like an old wound. He changes the tree altogether. Right? So Christianity is not God band-aiding the old person. He killed that person and out birth comes a new creature. Are you with me? And later on, we're going to give a chance for, for anyone who hasn't given their life to Jesus and have this chance to be a brand new creation. So go back to that uh, drama triangle, please. I'm going to begin from the rescuer, the, the top. The rescuer is called, is called the co-dependent. It's co-dependent because the victim is the dependent. So there's a dependent and a co-dependent. A person becomes co-dependent usually because as a child, they have a dysfunctional mom and dad. So for example, their mom and dad are always fighting for various whatever reason. Usually this, this comes out of a study into alcoholic families back in the 1960s. And so the dad's an alcoholic, always angry, blaming everyone. And then as, as a child, they don't have enough social skills to, to actually speak and calm dad down or go, you know, dad, you're an idiot. Does, the child doesn't do that. A child will automatically try to keep the peace. And so if they do that since childhood, they're going to grow up and they have this natural tendency to try to make everyone happy. 
But this could be mistaken for love, but it's not really love because it's I try to do things for you so you will like me. Deep down, they are crushed and have no self-worth. So they do things for you so you will like me. Are you following? It can look like love, but it is not love. It is giving to take. And these people are usually carrying a lot of um, baggages in the first place. And so they, in the church, these people are, if, if, a, if a pastor doesn't know what they're dealing with, they will find that these people are the most helpful in the church because they're the doers. They're the people that get things done. But if we're not aware of what's happening, we can just make them do and do and do and not address the motivation of it, and eventually they just break. The rescuer has this word. It's called, let me help you. It has a motto, let me help you. They are also called the enabler. The enabler is because what they do is that they like to help people, but they help fix people's problem, and sometimes people's problems has negative consequences. And so what they do is they remove the negative consequences from someone that's doing a negative behavior. But what it does is that it doesn't teach them to change their behavior that brings the negative consequences. So the person keeps doing that negative behavior without experiencing the negative consequences. And so what happens is they keep doing it. And so the rescuer has to keep rescuing while the victim just keeps, well, whoever keep, keep being dysfunctional. Oh, wow, it's 11.20 already. <laughs> this, this is why I said what I said. It's like, as during the week as I was doing research into this, um, it's like digging an iceberg. You know, the more you dig, the bigger it gets. And then after like four or five hours of watching the sermons, I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to be a psychologist. And so God help me. In the kingdom of God, we are not called to be an enabler and to fix everyone else's problem. We are called to be an empowerer. And that's what the purpose of, of a pastor. In, in Ephesians 4, it says, God has given this into the, into the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, to equip the saints for the saints to do the work of the ministry, right? And so a true help is to not do everything for another person. A true help is actually to teach that person to overcome it. The best example is like going to the gym. You know, you go to the gym. Um, I remember when I first started going to the gym, I, I hired a personal trainer to, to just critique my form because I was going to do some heavy lifts, and like the deadlift and the squat, and you put a lot of weight on your spine, and if you don't do it correctly, you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> Pastor Jessica and Nadia, Pastor Alex went to the hospital because of exactly that. And his form was incorrect, and he was lifting heavy weights, and then elf go the spines in emergency department. But the point was, I go to him, and he to the physical, to personal trainer, and he shows me the technique. But it's not until I lift the weight that I get the benefit from the exercise. These are the things of the kingdom. In the kingdom, I can go, 
hey, this is how you read the Bible. But it's not until you read the Bible that you get the benefit out of it. Like if you just ask me to read the Bible, I'm going to grow in godliness, in knowledge of God, but it doesn't really help for you. It's not until you learn to walk with God yourself that He starts benefiting you. It's like you can go, it's like even with, with prayer, you can go, every once in a while you, ask, you can ask people for prayer, but in the long term, it's about teaching you how to pray. It's not just coming to me saying, like, you know, somehow I've got this amazing relationship that with God that is exclusive. God wants to have a relationship with all of us. He wants to have a relationship with you. And so that's the purpose of it. It's more than doing something for someone, we equip people so they can do it themselves. Are you following me? Moving along. Victims. Victims always feel victimized, trapped, helpless, and hopeless. They think they are at the mercy of life. They are unwilling to take responsibility for their undesirable circumstances and don't think they have the power to change their lives. Victims assume themselves as powerless or incompetent and blame on persecutors or other people. They always seek for rescuers to solve their problems for them. If the victims continue to stay in a dejected stance, it will prevent them from making decisions, solving problems, changing the current state, or sensing any satisfaction or achievement. Tim Fletcher, he's a trained psychologist and a pastor, he states this. There is something more, uh, that is, there's, very, there's scales of, um, of problems. A victim complex is greater than a victim mentality, and he says a victim complex is this. A mindset that develops through childhood conditioning. The person perpetually sees themselves as the victim of other people's circumstances. This warped self of perception leads to desire to gain affection and attention from others while simultaneously avoiding self-responsibility. So the victim is, is locked in this state of saying, I cannot do this. I, like, you know, you can tell people, it's like, you know, God can do it. It's like, well, God did it for them. He won't do it for me. Well, for those people, it falls into that, that Hebrews, that I, the chapter of Hebrews that I was talking about, where they refuse to believe in the power of God. God can create the universe, but to you, you say that He can't help you. He created the sun, the moon, and the stars, but He can't help your problem. I tried helping someone. There was actually there was a, a case where I tried to help someone for eight years. Because I was a young pastor, I got no idea what I was doing and just tried to help. And this is actually what birthed this, this knowledge. Because after a while, I started going, God, what, what do I do? What am I facing here? And finally, they found some healing when I told them they're going to go to hell. Because Hebrews 4 verse 2 says, they could, the children of Israel could not enter the promised land because of their unbelief. You know what happens after I told them that? They improve a little bit. Because I tried the mercy angle, I tried the helping them angle, I tried everything. And then finally, after eight years, I'm like, oh my goodness, you refuse to change. You refuse to believe the Word of God. 
And then another pastor says, even if Jesus was here, they wouldn't change. People think it's like if Jesus was here, he fixed everything. Not everything. It says, by your, Jesus says to the Pharisees, by your tradition, you resist the power of God. God gave the earth to mankind. God gave authority to mankind. We actually have the ability to choose. And if God comes along and say, offering his hand and you refuse to take it, you can actually die in your current state. Are you following me? And so you're trying to love people, but eventually you, need, you can threaten them. You can scare them a little bit because it's like, look, you changing is not, a, it's not an optional extra. It's a necessity. I've got a friend, he, he was doing, oh man, he, he's coming up with wisdom. He's a, he goes to AA and he goes, he has this saying, Lee, nothing changes if nothing changes. And I'm like, that is so wise. I'm going to steal that saying. And it's pretty obvious, isn't it? But it's true. Nothing changes if nothing changes. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to get what you've been getting. So you do what you've been doing and then come to church, ask for prayer and expect a different result. Change your behaviour and you get, you get a change of result. So the way God deals with this problem is that He changes the identity. He doesn't try to, he doesn't try to band-aid the problem. He says, you, are died. you died with me. When I die on the cross, you die along with me. And behold, a brand new creation. The Father, you know, this new creation is loved by the Father. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Praise the Lord. I've got no time to get into the, the, the persecution bit, but I don't want us to grow um, cold heart, like hard-hearted and cold-hearted because there are some people that are stuck. And because of that, the only thing I could recommend is to pray for them. Um, you know, if you know they're stuck and you, if you know you know, if you take the things that I, that, I, that I say today, then you know how to pray. And the best way to pray is also to, to listen to God. And the other thing is, I believe that today, um, God is, I believe that God is endorsing, I spoke to Pastor Alex and he says, he's known some trained trauma counsellors um, in this church. And I believe that God is in a way, is endorsing them in a spirit where um, some people, they need to see a, a professional counsellor, a Christian counsellor, because, you know, as pastors, we are the triage nurse. You know, if you've ever gone to the emergency department, you get a triage nurse. They don't actually do anything to you. They just take down your, your symptoms, your problems, and they go, all right, you need this, you need this doctor, you need this treatment, you need that, and then they give you to those specialists. Because one of our role is to actually keep leading people forward and equipping the saints, and, you know, you can help people, but they, you can't help, like, 20, 30 people because that will just consume like your next year. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. I'm going to bring up the Romans 6, the Romans 8 to everyone. Romans 8, verse 26, 27. I'll read it to you. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts 
knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Can I get Matt to come up, please? If you are stuck and, and some of these things that, are, that I'm mentioning and that your own heart says, you know what, I think I suffer from those things. The first advice is spend time with God. Learn to hear His voice so that He can speak to you. If you don't know how to do that, employ the greatest intercessor in the world. Do you know who the greatest intercessor in the world is? The Holy Spirit. He knows the mind of God. He knows your mind in your heart. He knows what the angels are doing. He knows what the devils are doing. He knows what should be done. He knows what not to be done. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you are praying with the perfect will of God. Hallelujah. If you don't know what to pray for, just pray in tongues. If you're stuck, pray in tongues. If you're trying to intercede for someone, you don't know how to, how to, how to help them, pray in the Spirit. Are you with me? So with that, man, we don't want to end the service without giving people a chance to, um, to meet Jesus. In Revelation 21, verse 1 to 4, it says, Now I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man, and he will dwell with them and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. So that's Revelation 21. The end goal of everything that God is doing is actually not to take us to heaven. It is actually to bring heaven down into us. It's not about will you go to heaven. It's about will heaven enter into you. It's not about just saving yourself. It's about being saved and being salvation to the people around us. Are you following me? So this journey is, is, is more than a prayer. It's a lifetime of devotion to God. So today, God is asking, Will you follow Him? Will you allow God, will you allow heaven to fill you, to transform you, to take over your personality? Will you let go of the pains of the past? All of us live in a broken world. You know, even the best parents, my, my mom loved me as best she could, but she didn't give me perfect love because only God can give perfect love. She loved me the best she could. Only a few months in jail for me. That's the result. She did the best she could. But we live in a fallen world and I have my choices. And so here we are. But what God wants to do is asking today, will you turn around from the world and will you follow Him? Because if you follow Him, this is the promise. John 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received Him to them, He gave the right to become children of God. You become a child of God. 
You may have been rejected by your mom. You may have been rejected by your dad. You may have been rejected by everyone. But God will accept you. He has accepted you. And when you believe in Jesus, you get adopted to become a son and a daughter of God. Isn't that amazing? You get love for free. You don't have to do anything. My mom loved me because of the blood. We are the same blood. When you believe in Jesus, you get the same blood. You become the same blood as Jesus Christ. He loves you because of the blood relationship. Then in Luke 3 verse 3 it says, Then John the Baptist went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptised to show they have repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. We've seen people give their life to Jesus, but this is the next encouragement. If you truly love God, then will you come and be baptised? I think we're going to have baptism soon. So sign up to that at the website. But can I get every head bow, please? Is there anyone in this place that haven't given their life to Jesus, haven't repented and decided to follow Jesus? And you'd like to begin this relationship today. If that's you, can I just get you to lift up your hands and just say, you know what? I would like to begin that relationship today. I'm done of living in the pain, in the rejection. I hate everything that has happened to me. I I hate everything that I am. And I want this new chance in life. If that's you, can you lift up your hand? Let's just pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for sending Your Son to die for me. Thank You for adopting me, for forgiving my sins. Thank You for filling me with Your Spirit and raising me up so I sit in heavenly places with You. Thank You that You have made me an heir of Your Kingdom. Come and fill me now, Lord, and make me brand new. In the name of Jesus, why don't we give a round of applause. Thank You, Lord. If you pray that prayer for the first time, then can I encourage you to come forward later on and uh, Mike Hosking and the the crew will... uh, We'll, we'll speak to you, we'll, we'll take your details, we'll get you a free coffee and just basically show you how to integrate and how to connect to the church. We'll give you a free Bible and if you've got any questions, He'll answer it. So why don't we just stand up for just a minute. And why don't we just talk to God. Just say, God, is there anything that you want to heal inside of me? And just focus on Him. By faith, just believe. His voice is usually not an audible voice, it's just a thought. It's a random thought, it's just a spontaneous thought that's flowing in your heart right now. He's speaking right now.
Do not believe the lies of the world, my son. I love you and I have loved you. While you were sinners, I died for you. I endured tremendous pain and agony to get you back to me. How could you not be loved? Believe, believe, believe. Yield to my word right now. Don't believe the lies. Let go of the old and embrace my word. For I love you. Father, I pray for everyone in this place, God, that you will speak to them during the week, Lord, and and not allow this word to be just a, a great idea, God, but instead be the beginning, like a portal for an interaction with you, God. I pray that you will speak to them during everyone's quiet time and you bring everlasting healing, Lord, so that we can truly get over ourselves and, and become love, to love this dying and hurting world. So Lord, I just commit this, this sermon, this time to you, Lord, and complete everything where I lack. In Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for listening to another online message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.